John 1. We're going to be all over the place today. John 1. John chapter 1, verse number 1. I'll read 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the same, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for what we've enjoyed already through the teaching of the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for our visitors and for helping make up the gap of our people being gone uh, through sickness and through the travel and the holiday season. Pray and ask that you will bless our time together as we open up the Word of God. Bless our, our people and their travels uh, with holidays. And uh, Lord, also that you would touch those with sickness and affliction in body. Pray for Lisa, that you'd encourage her and help the Halls and Millie and, and those that are uh, out sick. I pray that you give healing and help and grace to them. Pray the Lord for Debbie Perigo. I understand she's traveling this, this weekend as well and uh, that you'd bring them all safely back at the next appointed time. Bless and help in the fifth Sunday next week. Lord, as they go down, many folks will be down at, uh, at Pollard. I pray that you'll bless that meeting there. Uh, I pray the Lord for each preacher as they stand and that you'd move mightily upon them and then uh, those staying behind at Bethany and those staying behind here, I pray that you'd meet with us as well and we'll thank you and we'll praise you. I pray Lord, uh, in this holiday season, uh, Lord, I know uh, it is what it is, but oftentimes it is a um, another opportunity to uh, uh, to express the gift of God in the Son of God, uh, and and Lord help us to uh, to be able to do that to those that uh, maybe only think about these things at this this season, and then again in the Easter season, I pray that we'll manifest the truth to them that you would help them to understand and know beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, that uh, that they are a sinner and you are the Savior. And, uh, Lord, that they need a Savior. And I pray that they would make their calling election sure before it's everlastingly too late. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name and for His sake. Amen and amen. All right, so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And focusing in on the particular scripture on the word, word. <laughs> uh, who was the word? It's interesting because, you know, some folks seen what I posted on the church's um, Facebook page, you know, just that God became uh, man. Uh, and, you know, again, like Brother Glenn pointed out, it's probably not the December the 25th. We understand and know, and I've been confused the last four years that I've been here. <laughs> where everybody stands as far as Christmas goes. I understand and know that, you know, Christ Mass, it's a Catholic thing. We already get all that, you know, but then do I wish you a Merry Christmas because we know that it was originally a Catholic thing, all right? You know, and things like that and uh, where everybody stands at that. We know that we probably don't 
uh, understand that we don't uh, recognize that Christ's birth on December the 25th. We get that because of what was, as it was pointed out in the Sunday school. Uh, but at the same time, I took the opportunity on my Facebook page um, for the church to, I'm going somewhere with this, to actually express that God became man. And that he manifests, you know, that, uh, that uh, and, and I took, you know, several scriptures there. Uh, and one of the ones that I, that I took was, uh, again, the word, these first three verses. And then I went ahead and included verse number 14. And that's hopefully the first part of this is what I'm going to put on the sign if it'll fit. Um, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word was made flesh. And it was interesting in the fact that I used that, and I put this, and then, of course, it went over to Philippians as well at the end of that, uh, as to him who thought it not equal to be, uh, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but then man, he took upon himself the form of the servant, servant and what he, why he did that in Philippians in the passage there. And I put all that on there, and then I went ahead and copied it and put it on my personal page. And it's interesting that uh, a couple that I've known for a long time, uh, 37 years probably, who's Mormon, clicks the like button on there. And I'm thinking, uh, <laughs> his first name is John. And I'm thinking, John, you don't believe that. You don't believe that God became flesh. And it's clear in this scripture that he was in the beginning with God, verse number 1, and it says the word was God. So as we went through that part in the elemental theology, in Christology, we've seen clearly that Jesus Christ is 100% God. And then he took upon himself flesh and became 100% man. How can these things be? He's God. That's all we can say. I don't understand all of it, but that's what the scripture says. And I believe it by faith. Based on, again, the first part of our study there on Wednesday nights was bibliology. The, the, the fact of the scriptures and the and the way that the scriptures put together, and the fact that, you know, in the scriptures itself, accepting the scriptures as God's word, written word, not the living word like we just read about, his written word. In Genesis chapter 1, let me just do it. In Genesis chapter 1, we hear, we read of the creation. All things were created by him, and, not, uh, and without him was not anything made that was made. In Genesis 1, 3, in Genesis 1, 6, in Genesis 1, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, and 26, we hear, we read, and God said. A spoke word. If, if Jesus Christ, if he was, and John describes him as being the word, was with God in the beginning, and all things were created by him and without him was not anything made that was made, as God said, and there's Jesus Christ in the beginning. He's the Word. And the Bible describes him that. And I'm just going to throw this out here. If you go back and read Genesis chapter 1 
And the six days of creation when God said, let there be, and God said, let there be, and God said, let there be, and so on and so forth for those six days, it says in the evening and the morning was the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, 24 hours a day. And I know there's people that don't believe that, but he gives us the evening and the morning, and we know through the, in, the, in the Jewish calendar, you know, the day starts in the evening, so that kept on throughout the Old Testament scriptures, the evening and the morning being a day, 24-hour day. And then, you know, I got to thinking about those that don't necessarily believe that. And I'm thinking to myself, and I know a thousand years is a day and a day a thousand years with the Lord. The Bible tells us that too. But we also know that God is eternal. There has never been a beginning, never been an end. Time is for who? Time's for man. So in the creation of that 24-hour day, that was not for God's sake. That was for man's sake. That was the order that he established in the creation. And we operate on a 24-hour day. When he gave us the sun, he gave us the moon, those two lights that govern things, a 24-hour day. Put them into operation. There was light before there was the sun. There was light before there was the moon. There was light before there was the stars. And if we wanted to go on ahead and read the next verse of number four here in John, in him was life. Again, he created all things. He breathed into man the breath of life. You think of all the other living things. Plants live. Animals live. So in him was, and he's the creator, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And then like Brother Glenn said, it takes a preacher. (laughs) Verse number 5, John was sent. Why was John sent? To bear witness of the light. The Ethiopian eunuch. Understandest what thou readest? How can I? I'm paraphrasing, except someone show me. He had had the scripture, but he had no understanding of the scripture until someone guided him in there. So... So we established that there's a couple of words here. One is the living word, which is Jesus Christ described here in John. He spake the world into existence. He is the creator. He, he was, uh, and then Brother, Brother Glenn even, and I sat there and shook my head when he, he quoted in the Sunday school hour, Colossians 1, I think it was Colossians. Yeah, Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And then we see and understand and know that, and just keep on going, it's just establishing this foundation here, Revelation 4, 9, and when those beasts... Give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. The four and twenty elders fall down before him and sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, 
Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy good pleasure they are and were created. That's in Revelation 4. And then Revelation 19, 13 speaks of His name again. And He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And His name is called the Word of God. All right. So, so we know that he, he created all these things. And so He is the living Word. And then while He was on the earth, we understand and know that I mean, he spoke the word. In fact, in John 14, and I keep referring to John 14 quite often. It's not in my notes, but I was just reminded of this. Because whenever John, whenever Philip says, saith unto him, so verse number 7, Christ speaking, If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words, the words, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. So he starts off with the word. I've been with you all this time. I've spoke to you. Oftentimes, as we read the Gospels, while the living word was among us, we read little verses of scripture that says they were astonished at his words. Little verses of scripture that says, never a man spake like this man. <laughs> Why? Because his doctrine. And then, you know, on the, uh, the uh, road to Emmaus, the disciples there, when <laughs> he took the Old Testament scriptures that were pinned down by Moses and the prophets, and he opened up and he showed them Christ through the Old Testament scriptures and how that they said that his words burnt within us. Amen. So his word, his, his spoken word, Although we had the written word in the Old Testament, the, the New Testament hadn't been pinned yet. But we know that it, it was pinned by men. We have also, Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1, verses 19 through 21, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. So when the living word departed, he left us the written word. And I wrote down here, the written word manifests to us the living word. This book tells us what we need to know and what we have to know and all that we can know this side of eternity about God, including Jesus Christ, the living word. He gives us the written word. And as I said here, 
So we have more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do, dwell, ye do well that take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so these men spake, the prophets spake. Somewhere along the way, somebody wrote it down. But oftentimes it was the accounts of Isaiah going in before people and saying things. The same with Moses. We know that Moses pinned down the first five books of the Bible. But this is what God has given us. And, and as we went through bibliology in our studies, we see that over these period of centuries that these... That these that, that the word of God was pinned, however, it just falls all right in the place together, pinned by several different men. Why? Because the Holy, Spe- Holy Ghost moved on men. And the Holy Ghost, again, God, putting it all together. And so we have the word, living word, we have the word written that manifests the living word, and what, what we know about the living word is, is from the written word, and understanding and accepting that, that the word, his, his words that are recorded in here. And again, and Brother Glenn hadn't got there yet, but I'm sure he will because he's going through John. But, um, but John tells us in John chapter 20, back up, let's see here. Uh, after he declares himself to Thomas, shows himself to Thomas, Verse number 30, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. What we have recorded before us, holding it in your hands, and I'm glad that Slade and Riker are excited about their new Bibles. That is a blessing to me. Amen? (laughs) We got a new Bible. That's awesome. And what they have in their hands, what you have in your hands is what God wanted us to know. There's a lot of things that are written that he didn't necessarily want us to know. A lot of things that he did that's not written down. But what he wanted us to know, these things are written, these things are written, what you have in your lap today are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Yes, there are some books named in the Word of God that are missing. I mean, they're not there. There are books that was written, and they're, they're named in the Bible that's not canonized in our Scripture. Okay, great. But according to John chapter 20 right there, there are some things that... He obviously doesn't feel we need to know. But he gives us enough to know. (laughs) He gives us enough that we might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the believing he might have life through his name. All right, so not everything was given to us, and that's fine. But he's in his wisdom, he gives us what we needed to know. And he gives us enough that we might know Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we might have life in that and in him. 
All right, so we've established who the Word is. <laughs> That's Jesus Christ. We've established that He's given us the written Word and the reason why He's given us the written Word. But we also understand and know that one of these days we're going to be judged by the Word. Again, going in on Wednesday night as we go into the sanctification, it was mentioned this morning in John chapter 17, the study there with Brother Glenn, how that he already mentioned it, he already read it again in our hearing, uh, and I'll read it again. Uh, he says, um, in verse number 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. We have to accept it as truth, we accept it as God's word, and you have to do that by faith. There's so many people that, that doesn't accept anything that anybody believes about Jesus Christ. Oh, he was a good man. He was a prophet. He, he did live on this earth. The Muslims will tell you that. The Jewish folks will tell you that. Yes, he, he existed. <laughs> but they don't, under, they don't believe the book that tells you who he was and what he was here for. And how that they can have life in him. They don't believe this book. And that's the first place we have to put our faith. As we said in our Wednesday night study. We have to put our faith in the book. The King James Bible. Has it always been the King James Bible? No. There were some other scriptures. Before King James authorized it in 1611. And what we have before us is not the 1611 version. What? I know, don't fall out on me. But you'll hear them in our April meeting. They'll come across through here, and they'll say, you're 1611, but if you got a copy of the 1611, you probably couldn't read it. A lot of the letters don't form the same. This has actually come out in 17-something, by the way. A, standard, a standardization. It didn't change the word that was written in 1611. It simply standardized the spellings and standardized the lettering that we have before us today. But for now, over 400 years, God gave us the King James in English for the English-speaking people. Uh, as Brother Turk, the elder Brother Turk, there's we know to me, Brother Turks, um, but the elder Brother Turk, uh, along with Brother Caleb Turk, has uh, set forth to take the English and uh, translate it into a better translation for the Indonesian people. Because I, like Brother Turk sh shared with us, the translation that the Indonesian people had translated God as Allah. And that's not a good translation for that because uh, the majority of the people there are Muslim. And if they say, well, the God of the Bible is the same God of the Koran, that's not a good thing to be doing, right? So, so not everybody, you know, has, speaks English. Although, historically, English language has been give as has been used as a trade language internationally, and so international people learned English just for international trade. You think God, in His wisdom, understood that what was going to happen there? <laughs> All the more reason to give us a good English translation in the word in the King James for four hundred plus years ago. 
But it's by this word that we understand, as we just read there in John 20. It's by the written word that many times was pinned down from the spoken word by the living word. Woo! Confused yet? All right. But as, as the disciples, especially here in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we hear, and of course there are several accounts that all four of them record, each of them in their own way, each of them in their own details, and we can, can put, the, put these different uh, accounts side by side. In fact, as I was going through the storage shed, uh, my dad had two storage sheds. We were finally getting rid of most of the junk. Well, we got rid of all the junk, but there's a few things that we went through and was able to retrieve that had some worth. Of course, my brother seen a Bible, and it's a study Bible. Never have heard of the study Bible before, this particular study, whoever put it together. But in it, as I was just thumbing through a little bit, the cover's fallen off. But I retrieved it, and I've, I've got it over here. And it has, like a lot of the study Bibles, the parallel of the Gospels of the different accounts. So you can read them just in four different columns right beside the harmony of the Gospels, right, right side beside each other. And as you read those, you understand and know that each person was listening, and each person maybe somewhere along the way pinned it down as the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost led them to pin it down. But it was, it was given the flavor, you know, one detail stuck out a little bit more to Matthew than it did to Mark, and Mark to Luke, and Luke to John. Then as we read, especially you read uh, of the account of the crucifixion and Calvary in those Gospels, some gives you a little bit more de detail in one angle than the other. But we, we can see the bigger picture by reading all four Gospels together. And, and that's the way, so they, they pinned, or they, as they was listening to the Sermon on the Mount, and God moved upon them to record the Sermon on the Mount. It's a little bit different in some of the words. Even the model prayer that Brother Glenn was talking about, the model prayer in Matthew is a little bit different, written, I think, over there in Luke. Just a little bit. But we can take the two of them together and learn something from each of these men's writings. But as Jesus Christ, the living word, was speaking his spoken word and men were writing it down to give us the written word, then we're able to understand and know how we're supposed to live. And then as Paul come on the scene, who wrote most of the rest of the New Testament, in his epistles, letters to the churches, individual congregations, by the way, <laughs> As God moved upon him to pin those things down, then, and they were canonized in the scripture, and what we have as the scripture today, in, in how the church, who, what had been a mystery prior to Paul, it was a mystery, the church was a mystery. Amen. But the mystery is unfolded in these epistles. After Acts, like Brother Glenn pointed out when he was teaching Acts, that transitional book uh, it, we had from the Gospels, people were still stuck, and we see some of that in Paul's writings, still stuck with the law and circumcision and, and things like that. Surely we got to do something. 
the first church Jewish folk said. We've got to maintain some sort of something to maintain. And they said, no, you don't. However, the same Paul writing teaches us and helps us to understand that there are some things that we are to put on and put off and there's some way that we need to sanctify again it's through the truth through the word sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth so as we read the word and we read that we're to love our enemies what that's foreign to us <laughs> we understand loving the god, loving god with all our heart and our mind and our soul we understand loving our neighbors ourselves we understand in the new commandment loving our brethren but to love our enemies That's, that's hard, that's foreign, that's, that's difficult for the flesh to follow. Yes, and that's sanctification. <laughs> that's living right, that's living how God has put forth for us to live. And I know we dealt with it on that particular day, I dealt with love. But I'll read it again. We don't understand in the flesh. Romans 12, 17, recompense, no man, uh, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. I mean, that's so difficult, especially men. Amen. He had to work through some of that when they come and stole our roses. <laughs> he testified to that fact. It, it, it got under his skin. For those that don't know, we, had, we took up the holly bushes that was originally here, and since we're Sooner Rose Baptist Church, we planted roses up through there. And some of them didn't take, and so we had replanted the roses, and they had a couple on camera come around the parking lot, and just opened the back door and just pulled rose plants out and threw it in the back seat and drove off. Some of them didn't come up because they're well, well rooted, and others did come up. And that, so we, you know, we, I got their license plate number on the camera. Hmm. Yeah, we could have had them, you know, whatever, took them to small claims court, you know, all that stuff. Avenge not yourselves, <laughs> rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Praying for them to despitefully use you is not normal. We had to get over the hump there. The flesh wanted to, but when we read the scriptures, the scripture saith to do this. God knows. Oh, it goes right here. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And just to leave it in the Lord's hands, that's a hard thing to do. The flesh wants to take control. Don't my sanctification. Living the way that the book tells us to live. Because we're going to be judged by the book. <laughs> and we'll see that in a minute. One of these days when we stand in judgment. Verse number 20, I'll just go ahead and read 
20 and 21, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. No, just let him starve. That'll show him. No, that ain't what the Bible says. Feed him. That neighbor that shot your dog. <laughs> Have you taken him a plate of Christmas cookies? <laughs> Invited him to church. What? He shot my dog. You know, the one that keeps moving the the fence line. <laughs> trying to encroach upon your property? Have you fed him? Have you shown him love? <laughs> if thine in whatever else your enemy, your neighbor, your whoever has done to you, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with Good. I said, man, scriptures are off hard to live by. But that's where God wants us. Again, we are, He's our He's our creator. And we're, he is our He is our example. He is our, going to be our judge. John chapter 12, verse 44. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on, on He that believeth on me. Believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. Again, Jesus is God. Here at the Christmas season, you hear the songs, you know, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. So we hear that. But a lot of people don't know what Emmanuel means. Scripture says Emmanuel means God with us. He's God. God. I mean, if you want to read the, you know, the Luke's account, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God moved upon, overshadowed the Virgin Mary. And she conceived. He was, he came to this earth. He was manifested, it was God took upon himself flesh. He was 100% God, 100% man. He was sinless. And in Christ, he's our example. In Christ, he is who we ought to look to as far as lining ourselves up against. And what the... what. The scripture says about him, they were first called Christians at Antioch. Somebody seen something in the believers at Antioch that said they are children of Christ. I mean, they are followers of Christ. They are lining up with what we remember him and his example on this earth. Well, we haven't had him here on this earth for the last 2,023 years or so. But we have the written word. And in here... He tells us how we're supposed to line up. In here, it shows us Christ and how he was and how we ought to be in Christ as a child of God. John 12, 44, let's see. 
12.45, And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world. And whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me receiveth not my words, uh, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak, and I know that this commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So the Father gave the Son word, and He spoke it. They're, the, they're, they're one person. I and my Father are one. The Trinity is God the Father. One, we believe in one God manifesting Himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Equal in all attributes and power. One God. But the way He manifest the way he presents himself the way he gives man understanding of him the father the son and the spirit and he said when he was here in body that he must when he left then the comforter would come the holy spirit would be given to us and the holy spirit now indwells the believer he's the one that when you have that thought or say that word or do that wrong deed. It says in uh, John 16 that he reproves, but it's talking about reproving the world there, but the same spirit is grieved and quenched. That's that same feeling when you said that harsh word or said that, uh, uh, not harsh, but a, uh, a quick word that the Holy Spirit goes, just kind of squeezes out down on you. I'm grieved with that word. I'm grieved with that action. I'm grieved with that thought. And then you go and you try to exercise something in the Spirit and he's quenched because you've not asked for forgiveness of that word or thought or deed. And you are unable to worship him like you want to worship because the spirit that indwells with you is grieved. I mean, quenched. Amen. Brother Hall, I keep referring to him. He's, so many memories have come up. I served underneath him as my pastor for 16 plus years in the ministry. And I know that I keep bringing him up more probably now that he's living with me. And he's been coming to the church, and I apologize for that, if that's a problem. However, talking about the quenching and the grieving of the Spirit, I'm glad we can get together. I'm glad that I got together with my family yesterday. And Whatever you do, however you exchange, if you don't or do or whatever at Christmas time, this holiday season. We all used to really complain about December, <laughs> well, actually, probably Thanksgiving through, but uh, especially around Christmas time, he said, he said, you come to church and you have to compete with Christmas. 
Because people's minds are not where they ought to be when it comes to, you know, especially, you know, if we don't say that, and we, I, I, I totally get everything like that. But when, we you know, we just have all the hustle and the bustle and the, and the buying of the presents and the, the family of the gatherings, and if you're traveling, you're doing the traveling, and you come to church on Christmas Eve, <laughs> and guess where your mind is at? My mind is at on all that. The Spirit says, Am I quenched? Am I grieved? Anyway, that was just a little side note there. But anyway, so the word will, says, will judge him at the last day. Uh, John 15, I am the true vine, the father, and my father's husband, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, is, uh, he taketh away, and every branch he beareth fruit, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Verse 3, now ye are clean, we're talking about sanctification, ye are clean through my word, or through the word which I have spoken unto you. And then again in 17, sanctify me, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is true. So sanctification comes from the word. It is, it is the written word that he's allowed us to, to maintain and to have and to hold, but the written word is his spoken word as he wanted it recorded. Not everything, because the books couldn't contain, the volumes couldn't contain, you know, that we couldn't contain the volumes of the book of everything that he did. But he gave us what he wanted to, according to John chapter 20. And it manifests his words, and it shows us his life, which we're to line up against. There is positional sanctification. Uh, he mentioned once saved, always saved, being taught in there that the eternal life and everlasting life that we have in him. Once we are saved, we are positionally sanctified in him because God the Father sees us through the Son and through the blood. He pointed out that, that transaction that takes place in heaven. Thank the Lord for that. So positionally, I am in Christ. And because I am in Christ, then I have everlasting life, eternal life. I didn't put this reference down, but there is a reference where man looketh on the outward appearance and God looketh on the heart. And because man looketh on the outward appearance, if we are trying to to show men Christ, to point men to Christ, then ought not we to have a Christ-like attitude, spirit, and look, word? And, he, and, and throughout the scriptures, throughout the epistles, God gave these men and they pinned down these words to show us how we ought to live and the attitudes that we ought to have. Because man does look on the outward appearance. And when you look like the world, <laughs> wait, right? When we look like the world, let me just throw myself in that mix. When we speak like the world, when we listen to the worldly music, and there's no difference, 
Then they're like, why do I need the Christ that you speak of? I'm just as good as they are. I'm just as good as that deacon that I know down at that church because I see him at the, and I say this only because I was up there by, but I see him down at the landing zone every Friday night. <clears throat> That's that bar up there in the landing zone. Passed by there yesterday. <clears throat> as a plane was coming across. <laughs> I said, oh, that's why they call it that. I'm just as good as they are because they don't see any difference in them. So we should become new creatures in Christ. Again, here's the, you know the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not live, uh, hence, should not henceforth live to, unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Amen. We're to live unto Christ. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, Though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed, are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so we are a new creature in Christ. And there's, that, there's where that progressive sanctification kicks in. I was saved at 14 years old. I chewed, started chewing tobacco at 12 years old. What? Yeah, I did. Thanks to the Boy Scouts and some not-so-good examples of my peers that was in the Boy Scouts with me. Saved at 14. Then I started sitting under Brother Shock's preaching. He preached sanctification. <laughs> Imagine that. And the Holy Spirit took that preaching... And began working in my life to deliver me from the tobacco. And I say this for just as an example. I was a mess <laughs> when this particular event took place. And thank the Lord for a grace of this of, of Lieutenant Fazenbaker, then Lieutenant Fazenbaker. He come out and did post checks. I was in security, and I, so. They announced that the lieutenant's going to be out for post checks. Of course, we're supposed to get out. I was the member of the patrol. The, you know, we're supposed to stand at attention and salute, offer proper customs and courtesies, and we were to give them our, you know, our post check and so on and so forth. So he was there. We pulled up. We kind of f fell out. Of, I mean, I was just, like I said, I, I, had, I, was, I had an ammo can with grenades in it. I had a... M16 with a grenade launcher on it. It was half on me, and I had a big old child of backer in my, in my jaw. And he looked at me. He goes, why don't you go around the area and come back and try that again? And while you are around there, why don't you lose that? Grace. <laughs> he could have just, I mean, got all in, you know, and it would have been justified doing it, reproving and rebuking. So we got back in, 
I got rid of the tobacco, come back around. My uniform was a little bit more straight that time. <laughs> I got out and everything was a little bit more straighter that time, and we reported our post, and he said, that's much better. And he was just that kind of leader, and I appreciate him for it. Because I didn't reflect my position as an airman before my leader that I should have. So I had to get some things right. So in that light, as a new creature in Christ, as we become sanctified, we see it in Ephesians 4, there's a measure. We're to measure up to certain standards as a child of God. Sanctification. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets. Brother Glenn alluded to this in Sunday school. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some, I'm sorry, apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. What do all of those in that list do? They, They expound the word. That's the beginning of the sentence. For... He gave us all these things for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And the sentence continues. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's the ultimate go, to be measured up to Christ. But he gives us teachers, 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 preachers, pastors. He gives us these things that we can spound the world, evangelists. We're going to put Chris in the evangelist category. He's a preacher, but he's not a pastor yet. <laughs> so we're going to put him in the evangelist category. He still preached to you, preached the word. So we got teachers in here and preachers in here. And, uh, I'm sorry, teachers and pastors and evangelists. And they take the word of God and they, they expound the word of God for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That we all become unified in our faith. That we all become unified in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. And some people would say that word perfect means mature. Bottom line is that we measure up to Christ. That's a tough thing. But that's that progressive sanctification. Having that desire, which I believe the Holy Spirit indwelling in you will give you that desire Especially, you know, to the point where, I mean, as you grow in the faith and the knowledge of Christ. In fact, I've heard testimony. Brother Glenn can probably say amen to this. I've heard other men testify through the years that the longer they walk with the Lord, the more sinful they see themselves. Even though they know they're saved, it's just they, they, they get more of a knowledge of Christ and they see him more holy and more, who, more holy and as to who he is and they see and realize and understand just the sinful creatures that we are. And even though we may have, you know, are sanctified and have come a long way and have removed some things and put on some things and took off some things and got some things right and are living 
as close as we know that we, as close as we, we feel that we can be at that particular part of our life, we just understand a little bit more about him. And we think, man, we, like Paul says, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Even though when Paul says that, he was a saint. And then going down in Ephesians 4, but ye have not so learned Christ. We're to measure up to unto the measure of the statue of Christ, of the fullness of Christ in verse 13, verse number 20, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. God wants to do a work in every one of us. He wants, to, he wants us to renew, be renewed. He wants us to be created in righteousness and true holiness. And again, it's after God that, cre- that created and becoming a new creature in Christ, old things being passed away, behold, all things becoming new. And again, as he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for these things and for those reasons, we see it also in 2 Timothy 4, 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. The word about the word. Be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they shall not endure sound doctrine, after their own, uh, but after their own lust shall, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned in the fables. I know that is the pastoral epistle. We went through those, and he is charging... Timothy, Paul is, to preach the word. Why? Because it says there in verse number 1, I charge thee there before, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. We are going to be judged by the word. We established that Jesus Christ is the word. At the beginning, we've established that the word, the written word that we have is the spoken word about the living word. So he gives us he, he gives us a measuring stick. <clears throat> Are we measuring up? As we go into, it's already been mentioned in the Sunday school, as we go on Sunday night, or yeah, I'm sorry, Wednesday night in our studies, going forward about sanctification, it is a time, and I know this is an old whatever, it is a time. You say we're still we're not in revival. Do I still have to bring out the magnifying glass and the flashlight? <laughs> the mirror and the magnifying glass? I'm sorry. The mirror and might as well throw in that flashlight. The mirror and the magnifying glass? I had a feeling falling out that they had done here recently, well, month in last year, falling out of my first, the front tooth there. 
So I was in the chair this last week again getting it fixed for free, hallelujah. But uh, because it was there working, he's like, I don't know why it took. But as I was laying there again looking at that exam light, I'm thinking, there it is. There's that example again of that reprove that the Spirit of God puts on us through the preached Word of God, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering. He gives us the pastors and the teachers to do those things. It's not, it's not a pleasant thing for me, to, for, for me to do. In fact, that's one of the hardest things for me to do. It's, not, it's against my character. When I was a supervisor in, in Kentucky over 15 people, I was a supervisor, and when one of them did wrong, it was just hard to write them up. It was hard to reprove them. It's just not my nature. It's not a lot of people's nature. You know, they want to be, you know, they want to be liked by people. We want to be liked by people. We want to, you know, get along with people. And to bring somebody in and have to say, you big dummy, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> have to give them a, a letter of reprimand or some sort of something like that. It's a difficult thing. I had a complaint on me. Somebody got their feelings hurt, something I said in a gathering. And it was just a discussion. It's not, there was no, there was no, um, no corrective action. There's no, can't, there's no, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, there's no dings against me in my record there. It was just a discussion by my supervisor here in the last two weeks. I had to give them my side of the account, and he's like, okay, I'm satisfied with that. It was just a discussion, but just he was the same way, just for him to have to come over there with a piece of paper with that complaint and have to talk to me about that complaint. You could just tell, tell it was just something that he didn't really want to do because I guess he knows me. He didn't think that I was guilty necessarily of what that person that was complaining against me was feeling, but, you know, to have to come in with the, with the folder, have to go into the office and shut the door, you could just tell he was uncomfortable to do that. And it's not a pleasant place to be. But when God says, preach this word, and that word hits, I mean, sometimes I can just, Maybe I don't know going into it who that might be for. But when I'm preaching, and it's easier in a smaller group than it is a group of a lot of people, but when you're preaching and you almost can kind of see that grenade leave your mouth <laughs> and land on the pew that God's got it for, oh, there's where you wanted it. I don't glorify in that. Some preachers do. They look better going than they did coming. No, they don't. I want to see everybody again. What did he say there in, in Ephesians? That we may all come to that fullness. Yeah. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for edifying the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith. That's not division. And it's the desire of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. 
It's our desire when we teach sanctification how to live right by according to the scriptures. It's our desire that we're all unified in that. It's our desire to see people grow in the stature and the fullness of the, stat- the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's our desire. But we'll be judged by that word. John 5, 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father that hath sent him. Verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, there it is again, my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. There's that positional sanctification. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they shall hear it, and and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority, here it is, to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, and they, uh, and they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now, that doesn't mean doing good is going to, you know, it's not the way in out. It's just the words that was chosen. They that have believed, even the Old Testament, believed in the Messiah. They were preaching. There was the, they didn't have to just do good, do, do good to make it to heaven, no. But there was Old Testament saints. There was Old Testament saints before the law that believed in the prophecy that was manifested in Genesis. Eve, I believe, I think that she, looking and knowing that through her seed, the seed of a woman, there was going to be one to come. And I believe when Seth was born, I believe you know, maybe even when Cain and Abel was born, she would said, oh, there they are. There's the, there's the one that's coming through my seed, the seed of woman that's going to deliver us. And then Cain killed Abel. She was like, oh. And then Seth. But then there's a lineage there of people that look to God. All through the scriptures, there's that line of believers looking forward to things to come. We look back to what Christ did. It says, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father that has sent me. I'm almost done. I charge thee, 2 Timothy. Nope, that's it. Nope, done there. Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. The books. Hmm. A lot of preachers have talked and wondered and speculated about those plural books. Some said there are the 66 books. Some said there are two books, the law and the gospel. Either way, books were opened. And there's another book, which is the book of life. It says here, books were opened, 
And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the plural books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Did they line up with the fullness of the stature of Christ? You say, well, that, they, they didn't know Christ. Okay. We're going to be judged. And the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians, we're going to see that. But let me finish reading Revelation there. Verse number 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Judged. We're going to be judged. We're going to be judged, and that's going to be the standard. One of the standards, according to several books there, for those that don't know Christ. We're going to be judged, and this is our standard. Did we measure up to Christ? You say, well, we're going to be judged according to our works. Yes, we are going to be judged according to our works. But does our works line up with Christ the standard? Does our works line up with the written word, the standard? Let's read it, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10, and we're done. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone that uh, may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. There's the standard. Are we measuring up? We're getting ready to, obviously, Sunday school, Wednesday night, this morning, I'm just getting us ready for the sanctification. There may be a little bit more. I don't know if, there, if God will get me in the specifics. There we go. I had to wet my tongue for that one. The specifics of dress, I know, you know, that there are standards. Well, uh, don't you know, and I ain't going to go into all that right now. I do know that there's a modesty preached in the Word of God. I do know there's anti-nakedness preached in the Word of God. There's a standard. A lot of things... In the word of God, our relationships, everything, all that is sanctification, progressive sanctification, lining up with that book. And there's where we're headed, folks. I'm just preparing sooner rows. There's where we're headed on Wednesday nights and apparently still on Sunday morning in Sunday school. Wherever else the Lord would have us go, it seems like just, there's just, we've seen, if you look back, for those that pay attention to the way that preaching goes, like I do, two years ago after... After camp, we come into the armor of God, and just you can kind of just see where God has us feed. He were in this field. He just paused us until we went through the armor of God, and and then of of you know we went through the trials and tribulations, and everybody seemed to have one right then, and what God was trying to do for us in that, you know, and with my dad dying and everything going on in my life, and some things that's going on in each of your life, we see some some trials there. And, and our attitude in affliction, you heard me preach that. And having that right, just again, being yielded to God doing a work in those trials. And we experienced those. I knew we would because that's where God had us in the preaching. And now we're going into the sanctification deal. Okay, so just letting you know, that's where we're headed.
But then at the same time, be yielded, be willing, to, and have that desire to be all that we can be and should be for him. That's my desire. That's his desire. And my desire as a pastor, his desire as a teacher, that's what God's got us here for. And yes, if they come out and it's a little rebuking, <laughs> so be it. Take the rebuke. Take the reproof. And do something about it down here on the altar. I cannot change your heart. I wish I could. <laughs> you know, just open up the toolbox. <laughs> oh, there's the problem. Like we do under the hood of a car. Can't do that. Because of one thing, it's a little four little word called W-I-L-L. -L. You have a will. <laughs> and I cannot make you do anything against your will. You have to be willing to be yielded. You have to be willing that he changes. You have to be willing to submit to his guidance and direction in your life as the preachers preach it and as the teachers teach it. And that's, a, that's something I'm having, a, you know, that my one son don't see. That you cannot change people. They have, you can put it all out there, but you have got to let them exercise their will. He doesn't see it yet, but he's got children. <laughs> and I guarantee you, one of these days, he's going to say, this is what you all need to do, boys and girls. And when they don't go that the direction that mom and dad wants them to go, he'll say, oh, why didn't they do that? And Papa's going to say, because they have a will. <laughs> I told you that 30 years ago, 18 years ago, whatever. But be, be yielded unto him as we look at this sanctification in our lives and then the word of God, line it up there. And that's my message today. Let's have a word of prayer while the musicians are coming. Then we'll have a song. And if the Lord's spoken in you in any way, whether it be as a child of God saying, Lord... I want to be as right as I can be with you. I want to, again, just refocus my, my desire to let you work in my life. Or maybe you're here lost. We're all going to stand before the judgment. One, the saved, the judgment seat of Christ, and the lost, the great white throne judgment. If you stand before the judgment we read there in Revelation, you're going to be cast into the lake of fire as a second death. And you'll be in a lake of fire for eternity. There's no second chances beyond that. This life is the life that you need to do business with concerning your salvation. Because once you're dead, your last breath is, is breathed, there is no second chances. There is no giving me a whole bunch of money and letting me pray you out of purgatory, out of hell. No, that's, that's that false doctrine in the, in the Catholic Church. You've got to do business while you can do business. And that's on this side of life.